welcome back to another episode of Money for Everyone. Megan and I appreciate the the listeners that tuned into our first episode. We got a lot of great feedback and we're excited to continue this journey with everybody. So today the focus of conversation is going to be Megan and I's biggest financial mistakes as we went through our life and as we were uh, educating ourselves and becoming more financially literate. I, I think this makes a lot of sense pivoting from our previous episode, talking about our investment strategy and, and really how our habits have shaped our financial futures. We really wanted to focus on this episode, giving you some some insights into the mistakes that we made. And we're excited to talk about some of our past mistakes, some of the pitfalls. So hopefully you guys can learn from those mistakes, but obviously avoid those as you continue your financial journey. And I wanted to kick off this episode with a quote from Theodore Roosevelt. It's part of his man in the arena speech. If you haven't listened to it, it is excellent. He gave the speech, I think during one of his campaign runs back when he was running for president. And the segment of the quote is, there's no effort without error. So when you go throughout your financial journey and you're trying to become more financially literate, it is very natural to make mistakes. So Megan and I are excited to kick off this episode. So I'll kick it off to you, Megan, if, if you want to get us going, if you want to share some of your financial mistakes and what you learned from those mistakes. For me, I guess my top mistake was wasting all of my income in high school, like everything I made I spent on things that weren't necessary at all, <laughs> like eating out a lot, makeup, and on like my ex-boyfriend in high school. So just not a good idea to do that. I often paid for like his train tickets to come visit me all the time after he went to college. Not a good idea, very expensive, added up over time. So I regret that. That's probably my number one financial mistake because I could have thousands of more dollars than I do right now. <laughs> right, right. It, it's interesting you say that too because I think when I look back at high school and when I look back at the income that I made from the jobs that I had, it's you don't really think about it in high school, right? You, you don't no. really think about retirement. It's like that's the last thing on your mind. Like the only thing on your mind is really your social status and immediate gratification and everything so I, pivoting to some of my first financial mistakes is when i first got a job i just thought it was like spending money and yep. that's really how i saw my income was was spending money I, I didn't really save anything that i made or even like christmas gifts Same. or birthday gifts i never saved and if i saved you know in college i could have had thousands of more dollars in my bank account you know so Pivoting some my most embarrassing financial mistakes. This particular story comes in about three, four years ago-ish. It was during the original bull rush of Bitcoin. And I had some friends reach out to me about other cryptocurrencies. Oh. <laughs> four years ago, I still don't understand how the cryptocurrencies work. Like, obviously, I'm more educated on it now, but... I had some friends text me and they're like, you have to get into the crypto game. You have to download Coinbase. Like we're making so much money off of it. Like it was, it was almost like the GameStop phenomena before GameStop, right? It, it was just a, a bunch of people that went and contacted me and they, they were like, you got to put a hundred dollars 
into Litecoin. And I didn't even know what Bitcoin was. And I was like, okay, what the hell is Litecoin? Right. So they're like, oh, it's like Bitcoin, but it's better and it's cheaper and it's it, it's going to be better than Bitcoin. And I'm like, all right, well, I, I, I saw how Litecoin increased in value over the course of like a month. And I think one Litecoin was valued at like $50 and then it jumped to like 300 and I'm like, oh, this could go to like a thousand or this could be the next Bitcoin. So I put, I think, $200 in Litecoin and I bought at the peak. Mm-hmm. Like, I shit you not, guys, it has not returned to 300 to this day. So <laughs> I still have a Coinbase account with like maybe $100 in it, but it's just stupid, right? Like, it, it, you know, when you hear stock tip advice from your friends and family, you're, you're probably too late. Yep. in the long run so that that was a big financial mistake <laughs> that's hilarious i mean well it's sad but it's funny <laughs> now probably to you looking back on it yeah basically yeah, like, just threw away 200 bucks <laughs> yeah it, to me it was like gambling or like scratch i mean there's worse things i can do with 200 bucks but i think that shaped my my risk level and my skepticism for get rich quick type of type of investments. So I've been very hesitant to, to put any money into to things that are becoming more and more popular. Like right now, cryptocurrency is all the rage mm-hmm. and uh, Robin Hood and, and everything that's going on. It's kind of sending up those same signals to me. So that's why I've been so skeptical around all of these investments because there's no real inherent value in any of them. It's just the hype that's pushing up and increasing um, the increasing the value of these assets. So, I mean, that, that was my first big financial mistake, but I think it's helped me understand really what's real in the market and what's not. I think that's why in the end, I have such a passive investing strategy. But Megan, do you have any... Uh, financial mistakes in terms of investing, not just spending, but investing? I would say not investing immediately. Like as soon as I turned 18, I wish I would have opened up a Roth IRA or something right away and started Mm -hmm. it and would have started saving and investing immediately. Other than that, no, I actually don't have any investment mistakes I don't think I've made. I'm sure the investment strategy I chose when I had my 401k at the bank that we worked at. I'm sure I wasn't invested in the best options back then. So I I mean, if I looked back at that, it would probably be not the best. But other than that, I don't think I have any major investing mistakes like investing in Litecoin or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> I've been hesitant that with that stuff. I still think about it to this day. I'm just like, damn, I should have never bought it. Or I should have gotten in a little bit earlier. And it's, I think it plays into the whole FOMO aspect yeah. of losing and everything. So I've, you know, I'm a, I'm a cheap person. I like to buy things on sale. So <laughs> I never like to buy any assets or acquire anything if it's not a good price or, you know, if it's not on sale. But going back to material items, is there anything that, you've bought or uh, uh, something you may have gotten into that you thought was going to be a hobby that you spent like a lot of money on and then like it <laughs> ended up just being kind of, like a waste of money 
Actually, yeah, I didn't even have that written down as one of the things I wanted to talk about. But now that you said that, absolutely. Um, <laughs> there, I at one point thought I was going to make t-shirts. Like, I don't know where the hell that came from. And I bought this expensive like t-shirt press thing and a bunch of t-shirts. And I still have them in tubs in my basement, like hundreds <laughs> of t-shirts. I don't know what the hell... I don't know. I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit, but like I've experimented with different things and most things have not worked out. <laughs> so like now we're doing this and we'll see how this goes. <laughs> the podcast. I was going to say, maybe we'll make money for everyone t-shirts and maybe you'll get some value out of that. Just the printing press. My like four-year-old t-shirts that have been in tubs in my basement. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> held on to them over all these years you're like someday someday i'm no. gonna be the t-shirt i just no it's not that it's that they're decent they're fine and brandon and i then like every year just refresh what i don't know he has gone down there and grabbed t-shirts like as to wear as undershirts and stuff so we use them and we give them to people so we don't have as many anymore but still it's ridiculous just like again just <laughs> embarrassing and like just wasted money there do you have anything like that, like like hobbies that yeah. you waste some money so, on? <laughs> yeah. So back, um, maybe this was senior year of high school. Um, I too had a very entrepreneurial spirit to me, and this seems to be a common theme. I had a friend approach me. Right. Peer <laughs> pressure. Have a way to help you get residual income every month i'm like okay so i i met with this random guy at noodles and company in apple valley and he sat me down and he was like i've got the best idea for you you know like how people shop at like mall of america and i'm like yeah and he goes what if mall of america was online and i'm like so you mean amazon.com and he goes <laughs> no better than amazon and then he started drawing like a quadrant and i realized the quadrant was from robert kiyosaki's book oh yeah and it was a cash yes. flow quadrant yep. Yep. And it was like there's four ways to make money there's you work for a living and you exchange your time and order you know for income mm -hmm. and then there's that income and then there's assets and whatever and he was he was trying to say well if you want to make money why would you waste your time in, in exchange for money where you can just put your money to use and then it'll give you a return over time he was trying to get me to invest in a multi-level marketing scheme mm -hmm. so, <laughs> oh i being the naive 17 year old at the time with you know attitudes towards paying for college and then whatever so i attended the seminar oh the seminar, no oh my god it was a bunch of old men that were like i am a diamond status within this i i think it was amway and it was like i'm a diamond in amway and i'm making two hundred thousand dollars a year and and whatnot and i'm like oh i want to be that guy the only thing that i took away from this 70 year old boomer was he said wealthy people think and do things differently and they say it's how they spend their time and the, the way that they think 
and I still think that resonates to this day, but they wanted me to like put in $200 and then sell these products that were pretty much, I mean, they're commoditized products. So it was like cleaning products, um, household utensils, like just stuff you can buy at target. So it's like, mm. I don't want to hit up my family to sell this sort of stuff. And I remember I even like talked to my parents about this and my parents were like, this is a pyramid scheme. <laughs> they had to like sit me down and, and go through what a pyramid scheme is. And I'm just like, you know, the, the scene in the office. Yes. <laughs> like calling cards and like, yeah, that, that was my life. So yeah, be very skeptical when anybody reaches out to you saying, Hey, do you have time to talk about an entrepreneurship opportunity to make residual income? It's always a pyramid scheme. So I don't know if you've ever been approached Megan about pyramid schemes or, or whatnot, but. Oh yeah. I've known, like, there's a lot, I feel like a lot of girls that I know that do stuff like that. I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example of one. I don't know if it's like, I can't think of one. There's stuff like, I don't know, health products that you can sell. And I don't know, I've had people be like, are you interested in whatever? I've definitely been approached to like message on Facebook by people. I'm like, no, ma'am, I'm sorry. I just ignore it. I, even if I talk to them, usually I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> it's not, it's not, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. You have to be at the top in order to make any money in those, in those systems. But I can talk about the gambling that I did back when I was 18. <laughs> oh, oh no. See, I never got into gambling. I didn't like it. I, I went with like 20 or 40 bucks and I blew it all. And I'm like, well, that was dumb. I didn't get any enjoyment. Out of that. I didn't make anything. So I didn't do it again. <laughs> Right, right. And I'm glad I never got like serious into gambling. But I remember mm-hmm. when I was 18, my friends mm-hmm. and I would go to Mystic and 200 bucks together, go to the blackjack table and just never, never panned out. And I'm just like, man, I could have used that 200 in such a more beneficial way for myself versus, you for know, sure. hour of energy. And at the end of the day, it's, it's entertainment. So I, mm-hmm. I didn't really put too much focus on it I just it it was fun for me and I was 18 at the time so it was like yes I'm finally 18 let's go to the casino type of thing but Mm -hmm. I frequent mystic I think a lot that summer and (laughs) I think I don't know how much money I lost at the blackjack table when did you start investing what age it's a good question um I think I was a sophomore in college when I started. Well, I mean, investing in terms of like long-term when we started at the bank, um, the 401k was like the first like retirement investing account that was open under my name. Same. In terms of putting my money to good use and getting a return out of it, Acorns was kind of my first. um, And that was sophomore year of, of college too when I started working and I started getting more and more money that was the first investing like i ever did and then from there it was just learning about the stock market and i never bought individual stocks but it was around i guess age 20. and if Mm -hmm. i were to do things again i think if if i had resources and if i had the knowledge when i was young i don't see why people that are 15 16 17 can't invest yeah and i think the democratization and the access i mean you just have a bank account and open up an app and then all of a sudden you can start investing so i think 
if they had those resources and if it was widely available, why not put your $200 paycheck that you earn from whatever like retail job or cashier job you have and start investing that money, which I, I think goes back to, to the younger listeners out there. I think it's an incredible opportunity that you have to start early because the earlier you start, the more return you're going to have and the more lessons you're going to learn along the way. But yep. I don't know, when did you start investing? I think I was 19. It was right when I, it was right when I started at the bank, which was a couple months after I turned 19. I wish I would have done it throughout high school, like I said. When I was a kid, I, I think for like my first communion or something, I think some of my family members gave me gifts, but it was in term like I, I got stock. Like I had certain stock and companies that grew over time. And oh. I think my grant had like savings bonds under my name, mm-hmm. which actually had a pretty good return. I'm not going to lie. I cashed <laughs> those out when I graduated high school, I think is when I got it as my graduation gift. But I don't know. Do you know much about savings bonds? Because I feel like that's like a thing in the past. It is definitely a thing of the past. I don't, they don't even make them anymore. Like the physical paper ones anymore. They're phasing them out. I think the 2000s was like the last time. Well, I don't, I don't know exact the exact year, but I know they don't make them anymore because when we worked at the bank, I remember people would come in to cash them. And I remember people coming in wanting to get savings bonds and we're like, we don't have those anymore. They just aren't a thing. So. Right. Right. I think going back more recently to some of my most recent financial mistakes and in the grand scheme of thing, it it seems like small potatoes, but at the time it's, there's always things that you overspend on. But Mm -hmm. I think one, I think back to this all the time and the amount of money that I wasted, but about two years ago, I got a membership to LA fitness back when I was home for uh, a summer and uh, and when I was in college and the plan was when I signed up that it was like a summer deal. Like it was a college summer deal. There was like three months and then they have to call me after three months to -hmm. renew the subscription. Well, I didn't read the fine print. So read the fine print on these things, guys. (laughs) But it was three months. But like, if you signed, if you checked this box, it was going to perpetually bill you every single month. And I didn't know I was getting like no one called me and I didn't check my bank statements like I was just being naive and it was around like January or February and I got a different debit card and LA Fitness called me and they're like hey we need to update your information and I'm like I thought this was canceled like seven months ago and they're like oh no like you signed up for this and I'm like no I didn't and, I, and they're like, okay, what sales guy did you talk to? And I'm like, Mike. And they're like, oh, yeah, Mike conveniently no longer works here. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And I think over the course of seven months, I think that was like almost $600 uh, that I like spent for nothing. Yep. Right? And so that that hurt. Like once I learned that, you kind of get the, the remorse and the – man, I should have, I got to pay closer attention to this sort of mm-hmm. stuff, which it's all about those learning experiences. And sometimes you, you have to get knocked down and you have to fall off your bike to learn how to ride it better. But yeah. Yeah. I've had similar situations. Those subscription services will kill you, dude. You got to like, you got to check your yeah. 
bank account at least monthly and look at all the charges and be like, all right, that's for that. That's for that. It doesn't even need to be like a long thing. Like just take five minutes really quick and just boop, 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 boop. And you'll notice if something's there that's not supposed to be there (laughs) and it'll save you a lot of money. My suggestion to the listeners is to call in to your insurance places, like at least annually, especially now, like we called in to get our car insurance lowered because as you get older, your car insurance lessens. And if you're using and driving your car less, which I know most people are driving their car a lot less now, um, you can get Mm -hmm. your insurance lowered. And now it's saving us like a hundred bucks or 50 bucks a month. It's saving us 50 bucks a month now that we just called in and got it lowered. And I wanted to do that six months prior to when we did it, but we just didn't do it for whatever reason. And so we wasted $300, literally just $300. And I know $300 isn't that much, but $300 is $300. So Yeah. And that's, that's, what's interesting about insurance. Cause you always see the Geico commercials. It's like save 15% off your car insurance for mm-hmm. 15 minutes, but like, it's real. Like you can save money on those types of things and I think not taking advantage of couponing or just finding any ways that you can reduce your monthly payments is something that I, I think I want to get better at in the future mm-hmm. just because it all adds up in the long run um but yeah it's not taking that seriously and not really thinking about it like obviously you have to pay for insurance but there's always a cheaper option out there for you yep or yep. you can go and shop around and look at rates and, and all of that. Like do invest the time and do it because over the long term, like over like a year's worth of time, if you're spending $250, $300 on auto insurance, there's probably ways that you can get that reduced. Yep. And all that stuff adds up. And over the course of a year, that could be $1,000 that you didn't yep. have. And it's a very simple switch. It's like a 30 minute conversation or even like an hour conversation, some paperwork, boom, you have a better policy. And if you think about the time that you're exchanging, it's a thousand dollars for an hour of your time. Yep, exactly. If you really think about it, so I don't know any company that's paying you a thousand dollars for an hour of your time. Yeah. Sign me up. <laughs> Same, <laughs> sign me right up. I don't care what job it is. <laughs> yeah, on the topic of car insurance then too, another one of our biggest financial mistakes. It was more so my husband's mistake, but it was only like two months before we got married. So it wasn't my money yet. And like right after we got married, we combined our accounts, but now we both realize that it's a mistake that we both need to pay for now. (laughs) Um, He bought a newer car. It was 2018 when he bought it and he got like a 2017 Chevy Malibu. So it was no 20 or like no 21 year old person needs a like $25,000 vehicle. It's just not necessary when you're that young. And we regret that because now we're paying on this car loan still. We're hoping to have it paid off by the end of this year. I think we will. But yeah, it's rough. (laughs) Don't buy an overly priced car, especially if you're like in your early 20s, late teens. It's not worth it to get a car that's like over $20,000. I don't know. That's my opinion though. I'm sure people will disagree for various reasons. And I think it depends upon your situation and your income and that sort of thing. Or if that's something you really value and really, really want. And that's like one of the few things you're going to spend your money on, then that's your choice. I've got a whole history of different cars that I've owned over the course of my life. Mm -hmm. And 
my car that I have now, I love. It's my baby. It's a 2017 Honda Accord that I bought over the summer. And that was the first new car or newish car that I've ever owned. But it's only because I was in a very stable financial position. I've owned used cars my whole life. And mm-hmm. I think it's one of the best financial decisions yes. I've made because I've driven cheaply all throughout college and even the first year as I was working. But the trade-off is with those types of vehicles is that the repair costs are always like when you buy a used car, it's a freaking used car. And I think going back to the, the Lumina that I owned that the lady smoked in it and <laughs> it just smelled terrible and it was only 750 bucks and I rode it for two years. I mean, there's trade-offs to owning a used car, but that car ended up dying on my way home from work one day in the summer. And I knew it was on its last legs and everything. So I bought a, I bought cash, a, um, a 2006 Saturn Ion. Good. And I rode that thing for like three or four years and I put a lot of mileage on it. And I think that car had so many random issues and Saturns are just terrible. They are made of plastic. So if I ever got into an accident, I'd be freaking crushed with cheese, but um, yeah, I'd be crushed. But you know, I wanted a safe vehicle, but it's funny. I rode that vehicle back from Fort Myers all the way back up to Minnesota when I moved and it was seriously on its last legs. It was shake like when I would break, the car would shake. The tires needed to be rotated on it. The axles were bent, so the tires would get almost down to the tread because the tires uh. weren't aligned properly. Were like bowing out. So if, if you can imagine the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie where Jack Sparrow literally is docking his boat, but it's sinking at the same time. That's like me returning to Minnesota in my 2006 Saturn Ion, and then I just sold it almost for freaking parts. But yeah, transportation, rent, um, you know, living costs, all those things, you can find maybe a cheaper way to do it. And right now I live in an apartment that's rather expensive. So, you know, I love the apartment that I'm in, but I can't help but think every single month when I'm signing that check over, it's like I could be building equity in a house, you know, or yeah. it could be downsizing or, you know, living with my parents or something like that. But trade-offs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Houses I've learned are way more expensive than people think they are. And more, more often than not, if it's your, I'm talking residential homes, not like investment properties, they are not a financially smart decision. If you just look strictly at the numbers long-term, this house that I'm in is a money pit. Okay. <laughs> like it's going to, I've done the math on it and it's, in order for us to break even, and I did it calculated for like inflation of rent prices and stuff like that. In order for us to break even on renting versus just living in this house, even if we pay it off, you know, in 14 years, it's when our break even point is the year like 2056. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. So it doesn't, so if you're going to buy a house, I mean, unless you have a really high income, it just makes sense. If you're going to buy a house, you need to stay there for like 30 years. Like you need to be committing to it. Otherwise it makes so much more sense just to rent because I don't think people understand how much 
appliances cost and house repairs. And if you want to do any updates to it, like if you don't like the kitchen or you don't like the bathroom or you want to paint or tear up the carpet, like it all costs, it adds up so fast. Yeah. And if Brandon and I never bought this house, we would have like tens of thousands of more dollars invested right now. And we'd be a lot closer to like retirement and financial independence if we never bought this house. So it's a trade-off though. I personally really wanted this house. This is something we knew we mm-hmm. wanted really bad. And it's one of the few What's things that we, home, right? yes. Yep. This house is my childhood home. So it's something, you know, sentimental to me and mm-hmm. something that I've always really wanted. So it's worth it. So, and we don't spend our money on like anything else. If we do spend our money, it's on travel or our house now, like that's it. So I think it's, key to find out again what's most important to you and spend a lot of money on those areas if you want to or you don't have to spend a lot of money but spend money where it counts for you and then not spend money where you don't like if you don't give a shit what clothes you wear or what car you drive but you really want a nice house then don't spend money on clothes in a car and spend money on your house whatever you prefer exactly and break-even point being 2056 a lot of people probably living on mars as we terraform it so yeah right oh my god crazy well i think that's a great pivot to to round out our episode and we're excited our next episode topic is going to be all about refinancing learning about interest rates learning about the debt that you have how to refinance it's going to be a very tactical episode so uh hopefully you appreciated megan and i's candid conversation today And remember to always feel love and gratitude for yourself, others, and even your money.